conspiracy theory, and the paranormal meet. And now, we join the show already in progress with your hosts, Adam, Serfiel, and Rob. Although I will tell you that the only umbrage that I take is that when you say in the beginning of the of the show when you say no snark i i think that there's uh-huh. plenty there's plenty of snark there, there is i yeah i know um yeah i've uh, there's, there's some episodes where i deliberately haven't said no snark because i knew that no 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 this one's gonna be this one's it's gonna be a, bad, so. i think it's a healthy yeah, amount of snark yeah, so, yes yes i, I yeah, enjoy the snark it's, it's, i enjoy the snark it's it's loving snark it it is indeed that. Uh, what's the in the in the very beginning of the episode uh, when you play the the voice that says, "I never took any money from you." Who is that? That is Al. That is Al Bender. Okay. Um, and in sick faux conference he stories examples of how his mental powers were causing people to die or get hurt and um he was just telling this story and um somebody said that that he owed the money and he just said i never got any money from you and we, we first heard this it was um we were in, in halifax at uh one of the conventions that uh that me and uh and, and greg bishop and, and paul kimball and tim banal yeah were yeah. all at and um and and i never got any money from you just uh just became something we we just kept saying so it's been my uh, my text notification sound for about three years now and uh I, I get some weird looks when it when it goes off yeah i've just i've always wondered who i've just i've listened to it i'm like who is that like who like what is the story behind that one you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so appropriate to yeah, introduce I don't, I don't, the to introduce the podcast you know just somehow it's like you know i never took any money from you <laughs> yeah I, I i know um I, I need to i need to rework it and sort of juxtapose that with with jane Pauley from dateline saying ufo might as well stand for unprecedented financial opportunity <laughs> so I, I need to i need to work that one in there too all right so show's already started in case you <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> it's our, sometimes we do really like to do or, organic um, intros like that, but uh, <laughs> guys, we, we we've got Aaron Golias on the line. Um, I I hit Aaron about coming back up. He's the co. He's the uh, the the main host, the only host of the Saucer Life, and which is one of my and I think Serfiel's favorite podcasts. Uh, we really enjoy it. It's it's a really just informative look at kind of like the past in the flying quote-unquote flying saucer era of ufology and it's it it's it's a pretty wide scope now i mean it's pretty much everything from the 40s at least down i think to like the 80s i think the latest thing you've done there's nothing in the 21st century as far as i as far as i know right um We've done a, a couple of we the the royal we. Um, we've done a uh, a couple of little things. Um, we did a little thing about uh, Stan Friedman when uh, yeah. when he passed away. Yeah. Just a couple minutes. Um, I think when the uh, 
when the New York Times story first broke about uh, the Navy people seeing things like two years ago when it was actually news. Um, <laughs> no, I, I let's not get a, that a started. Thing about yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Shots um, fired. It, it's, it, it's, yeah. It, it, what, what, a, what a dumpster fire of shilling. Um, it, 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 yeah, but uh, it's, um, it's, it's fun. It, it's, uh, it's, it's all fun stuff. And the, uh, the, the 21st century stuff. I don't know. It, because that's the thing. If I start talking about. Uh, about to the stars or AATIP or or Big Lou Elizondo, you know, I'm, I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get the crazies out, you know. Um, y- you don't usually have a bunch of uh, you know rabid fans of something um, when you talk about uh, when you when you when you talk about the humanoid wave of 1973 or something like that. So sticking to to more obscure historical topics allows me to um, avoid getting dragged down in all kinds of engagement with current events type stuff because yeah. because I, to, to be to be charitable people are passionate about <laughs> about these topics yeah so if, if i if i can avoid their passion that's great yeah and plus this is stuff that is still going on i mean it's not been conclusively decided yet what's going to happen we don't know so you know, it's like right. it's it's, I mean, it's not have, it's not historical yeah, we don't have yet. Any perspective on it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and there's I mean there's enough people covering that stuff. I mean we don't need. I agree. We do not need another TTSA take. That's that's the last thing the universe needs. Let's let's have somebody's hot takes about um, almost anything else. But uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. You know, just I'm. You know, I, I'm people like, what do you think of the Project Blue Book show on History Channel? It's like, I haven't watched it. I, I know how much stuff I have to watch that I actually want to watch that I don't feel obligated to watch because you like UFOs, you know, watch this. No, I don't want to, um, you know, it, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, sometimes I'll hate watch stuff like that, but that, that then I just get angry. <laughs> hate watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe maybe we'll have uh, maybe in a few maybe in about fifty years we'll have a soundbite of Luis Elizondo saying, "I never took money from you." <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh, I don't think you could. I don't think you could say that with any degree of honesty. But um, you know, we'll we'll probably have uh, have him saying something. Yeah, yeah. Um, as long as he's wearing his bulletproof vest or whatever, you know, whatever he's doing, because I, yeah. I, I love I love. Whenever I see him in his his goofy vest. Well, I mean, is this? I mean, and not to get too bogged. I don't want to get bogged down in this, but like this show that's coming out. You know, I I, I sat around at my parents' house. You know, my mom just loves ancient aliens for some odd reason. And, <laughs> you know, it's like she she she's watching this, and my dad turns it on in the other room. You know, and it's just like. Is this show really going to be any better than something like Ancient Aliens? Is it really going to I mean is it is it really going to just like break new ground I, I or is it just going to be just uh, this kind of like uh, it's going to support what everybody already knows or just confirm yeah, I, biases, I think, you know? Oh yeah, I, absolutely. I I I think um the, the people who are who are buying into the the narrative that what we're hearing about government interest in UFOs is somehow 
different than every other time we've heard that there was a government interest in UFOs. They will they will say this is this is going to be the the one that 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 breaks the dam and unleashes the floodwaters of disclosure, you know, down upon us all. And um, and other people who who have gone out there in in articles and reviews and uh, and on the on the the internet and and been pretty opposed to all the the hype about this from the from the very beginning they will they will say you know this proves nothing this is this is nothing this is this is dumb why aren't we looking at um at, at you know metaphysical stuff instead of physical stuff because that's you know that's where they're where they're hanging out and as much as i sympathize with uh with, with some of those views you, you know you, you can't uh, you, you can't get angry about this and you can't think that that this is um you know, stealing eyeballs from from stuff you think is more important. I mean, I I'm going to go out on a limb and and say, you know, with the 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 phenomenal the phenomenally fractured television viewing audience that exists today. Um, and you can talk about DVR numbers all you want, but um, if you're like me, you got a DVR full of stuff you're never going to watch. You know, not many people are going to watch this. I mean, in in terms of massive groundbreaking numbers of viewers, it's going to yeah. be people who are already excited about this stuff, right? And not many and, people and are going to, and not people are going to watch it and 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 a take it seriously, and not many people are going to watch it and b pay complete attention to it. It's just going to be background noise, right? I mean, the History Channel is. I mean, it's it's the background noise channel now. It's one of the great background noise channels. It's what your it's what your dad has on because he was watching some World War II thing and then left the room without changing the channel. And four hours later, there's a UFO show on. You know, it's it's that kind of that kind of channel. Yeah, and, I was, get, uh, and, I was and getting my oil changed fine. the other day, and in, in inside the place while they were changing my oil, they had some History Channel going. It's <laughs> ancient aliens. Yeah, it's American pickers or ancient aliens or. Or pawn stars or something like that yeah it, it's yeah you know yeah it, it, it's this is going to be the ufo equivalent of you know the next great pawn stars show or something maybe i don't know i think american pickers and, and pawn stars and whatever are probably a lot more popular then you bring the alloys to the pawn stars <laughs> oh, trying to get a quote be, you know that would be great <laughs> That would be great. Or, or on a, uh, the American Pickers guys are in some some barn in Iowa somewhere, and you know, <laughs> one one of those one of those five thousand old license plates doesn't look quite right. Could it be an alien alloy? <laughs> you know, it, it's you know, as uh, as uh, Adam Go Rightly has hashtagged on Twitter many times. We need to free the alloys because uh, we need to know the truth about the alloys. And uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll find one of uh, Joe Simonton's pancakes. They'll find one of those too. <laughs> you know, the, the, the question is, what what tastes worse, um, the alloys or Joe Simonton's pancakes? Because they didn't sound very appetizing. You know what? I whether I would like to see a show that maybe delved into some of these things in a more metaphysical way. But I don't think you're gonna you you may you're not gonna see that on mainstream TV right now, because they really what they want to do no. is they want to no. keep UFOs on one side and they want to keep ghosts on the other, and they don't want to combine the two. You know, so far, 
the 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 best thing that I saw on TV dealing with any of these subjects was something that John Tenney said on his ghost show where he said, well, basically, I think this phenomenon is all the same. And that was like the most radical statement. Yeah. And I'm sure it just went over most people's heads. Oh, oh, absolutely. And and I, I think um, I think there's a reason that that something um, something like. Uh, like Hellier, that has uh, that has done a lot to sort of break down these uh, the, these sort of barriers between these different categories. And there's a reason you don't see it on on a place like the History Channel. Yeah, or even um, the small town it, monster it stuff. Fit into to right, right. I mean th- that stuff doesn't you know a show about the Flatwoods monster. What would that, that? I mean, what is it? Is it a cryptid show? Is it a ghost show? Is it an alien show? Yeah, it's all of it. It's great. So you, yeah, you see you see that great stuff on on Amazon Prime, and and you can find good stuff out there. There's people doing really good paranormal documentaries, but um, but it, it's not going to be the the really cool stuff is is not something I think at this moment that it, especially sort of you know large network conglomerates and adver- advertisers are. Are, are probably comfortable with because they're going to break down. It's like, who's the audience? And I'm sure, I'm sure they have market research that, that, that they claim shows that the ghost audience and the UFO audience are distinct audiences. Um, and, and so why would yeah. we, why would we want to, you know, mess this up? Um, it's the only explanation for why everything sort of feels the same on these shows on cable. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, sort of data informed reason why what's on TV is on TV. I think. Yeah, it's it's just this kind of keep it simple, stupid kind of mentality that they have, and yep. also, I, I think too, like with uh, the ancient aliens and like that that thing is like what thirteen seasons or just something ridiculous right now, and and it's insane. Yeah, that Prometheus Entertainment they have a narrative that they push. Yes, they do. And it's interesting that they, they I mean, you look through the, the channel guide and you see Ancient Aliens. I'm like, oh, what's on Ancient Aliens this week? And it's it's something that's that's not about anything ancient alien-y at all. I, you know, I think there was a Roswell. They did a Roswell episode or, or something like that. And, and, you know, tied it back into Ancient Aliens somehow. But, you know, they've, they've got their brand and they... Um, they they've got the the crazy hair guy and and you know, they, they've got a, a good deal of of real estate in that space. Oh, they've got Van Daniken and and Zuccolos teaming up on the shows now. They're like going out and investigating stuff oh, and like together. They're like it's, it's like it's like a buddy film. It's like oh, there's both of them. You know <laughs> that. Oh boy, that might be worth uh, that might be worth checking out just I, to you know they don't have a uh, man. I remember that uh, Von Daniken had his own um, Ancient Aliens themed theme park <laughs> in Switzerland <laughs> or something like that. It's just, just absurd, man. Oh, uh, the, the, yeah. Let's Wild. let's get your thoughts on the passing of Stanton Friedman because we uh, pretty much the day that it happened, we we I had Tim yeah. Benal already scheduled to come on and. Uh, Friedman, uh, Friedman died oh, right, like I think right. that day or the day before so we got a pretty fresh take on it but um, I'd like to get your take on it too since you did look kind of like a four little mini episode on it on him yeah um, 
I, I think everybody who's done anything that's involved the word Roswell and made money off it owes Stan Freeman for that money. Um, he he didn't write the first book about it, but he did most of the research that went into that first book that uh, that Bill Moore and Bill Moore did did some of the research. Stan Freeman did more of the research, and uh, Charles Berlitz put his name on it, um, much like the Bermuda Triangle or Philadelphia Experiment books he worked on. Um, yep. Stan Friedman was um, might not have been a, a, you know, a scientist working in an academic research environment, but uh, he was a scientist who worked in industrial environments and in, um, in you know, areas of physics, and he understood... Uh, he understood science in a way that, um, that I, I think, to a degree, informed what he was what he was doing. But but most of all, he understood uh, he understood um, the idea of a research process. And I think he did solid research as far as the process goes, regardless of what one thinks about his conclusions. And and you know, I I think that you know to a certain degree, he he became so married to the Roswell thing that, that, you know, it's hard for him to, to see any sort of counter arguments. But I, I think it's great that, that sort of in his, in his later years, he was doing books like, uh, like science and UFOs and, and, and things like that sort of branching out from Roswell and getting back to sort of originally the more broad stuff he did when he was you know lecturing on, uh, on, on college tours back in the '60s, um, I met him once uh, a year ago, just a, just about well, 53 weeks ago, in Halifax. is uh, his last presentation in Halifax, and um, just uh, just a great guy. It was um, he was out there. I don't think he heard any of the other presentations because he was out there manning his book table, even though everybody was in listening to presentations. But the the guy was a pro, and he had his way of doing things. And you, you man the book table just in case you can sell another book to somebody and um but just just a, a sweet guy a nice guy um a pretty down-to-earth guy some of the people in the audience asked him his opinions about about some of the recent revelations or, or recent as of a year ago and 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 he he didn't he didn't blow them off but he's just like well you know there's a lot of stuff that people say and you just have to sort of wait and see what the what the evidence shows he, he didn't he didn't jump on um jump on every bandwagon that uh, that came along and i think with uh, with stuff like uh like the roswell slides a few years ago he was yeah. smart enough to keep his name out of that um yeah he was, that's very smart um, yeah. He, yeah and and you know some other people weren't regardless of what they said afterwards about how smart they were to not get any more involved than they did um but uh but uh, other people would see a payday and, and, and Stan would say, look, it, it, it's a payday, but what damage is it going to do down the road to, uh, to your reputation? So I, I think he was, um, he was a solid researcher. I, I think he was a, he was a, a good and clear and precise, uh, writer. One of, um, one of the books that I don't have anymore that I wish I had was his top secret magic book about MJ 12. Um, I, I think the MJ-12, much like thing, much like Roswell, it was, it was one of those things where where he, you know, I'm, I'm not sure after a certain number of years how objective he could be about it, but you know, you could say that uh, you could say that about about anybody. He had uh, he had integrity. Um, I've never seen evidence to the contrary. Anyway, yeah. um, which, which is just vanishingly rare 
in this field. He was, um, I, I think, uh, I think Tim would would agree. He was was always um, sort of you know welcoming and and you know encouraging to, to people who were new in the field. You never got the sense that that Stan was trying to be a trying to be a gatekeeper or, or trying to jealously guard you know his corner of ufology. He was. He was generous with his with his time and and, and everything. Um, he was uh, he was a great guy, and you know a lot of the people who who talk about you know oh the the, the old time ufologists who aren't on board with all the new cool stuff, um, you know sometimes they'd be talking about Stan, and I'm just like, dude, you're nothing without him. I, I mean, he invented the idea of of the modern ufologist. When we think of the of you know this incredibly rare idea of a of a professional ufologist. It's pretty much Stan, um, as far as you know, doing research and writing and speaking, and not you know having a radio show on the side as well as all of that, and you know actually continually doing work. Um, Stan invented that. I, I think Stan and and um, well, Jim Mosley sort of, but uh, but you know he had a had a, a you know second job as a sort of shady archaeologist but um but stan was was just a pioneer in in so many ways and it it really is i don't think there's there, there's anybody from that uh, that generation that was around in in the 60s like it active in the field in the 60s really um still going uh maybe uh maybe bruce mcabee maybe yeah. I, I think 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 that might be that might be be close to it um the, the 70s and 80s crowd is still with us but earlier than that it's getting thin yeah it's definitely a passing of the old guard for sure um yeah he also what i found rather interesting is that when he passed away he was coming back from an event and he was coming back from a conference and you know so he continued to do what he loved doing up till literally the day he died yeah that's i i can't i can't decide whether that's like oh cool you know he went out you know he went out you know he he went out like a like a ufologist i can't decide if that's if that's really sort of cool or if that's just sort of should have been at home you know sure i, yeah. I don't know I, yeah but, i can but, understand but, the mixed yeah, feelings on that yeah you, yeah you can't you can't deny that 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 you know it was it was just what he did you know even even at 84 he was he always wanted to be a you know he would definitely was not one of these charlatans he was really serious and had a lot of respect for it i i think he loved being out there on the road and, and talking to people and and, and sharing uh, sharing his wisdom, I think if he would have been more of the the Carney Huckster yeah. kind of ufologist, um, I don't know if they have as long of uh, as much longevity. That's true. Though. As yeah. somebody like yeah. uh, like Stan would have, because eventually, you know, people you, know, you see through them. Yeah, you, um, you wise up eventually. Yeah, yeah, and and the audiences dwindle, and and you know, pretty soon you're. You're playing to a crowd of uh, of twelve people in the days in in Fort Wayne, Indiana, on a weeknight. Um, <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong I, I with Fort saw, Wayne, I Indiana. I saw Colonel Wendell Stevens in the uh, the conference room of a days in in Fort Wayne, Indiana, <laughs> on a weeknight. 
Hey, no, um, grew up there, uh, great place. But uh, but when you're playing the days in conference room to a dozen people, um, half of whom think you're uh, you're crazy. That's uh, <laughs> but man, Wendell Stevens was an interesting cat. Uh, that was yeah, wow, nineteen ninety six. I think that was. I don't know, but uh, but you know, someone someone like Stan always in demand, always uh, always had a gig to go to, um, and and you know, a place to work. And, uh, and, and, you know, I think regardless of finances, I think he was out there for, you know, the love of, of doing that and sharing that knowledge with people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, mean, I had heard that he, he had retired, um, two years ago, but I guess he still was out there doing it. So, you know, he, yeah. uh, he had his, uh, I think he was doing his sort of his last sort of appearance at. I don't know every state in the union or something because it was it was a, it was sort of a retirement tour, almost. He I don't I don't think he could stop. I, I just don't think. Yeah. Um, and think and that's that is a that's something I think it's especially in that older generation that I mean and, and I think just guys in general like you know we don't want to stop we want to keep going and you know there's some people out there that just like you know like my grandfather I mean essentially like you know he stopped working you know six months later he's dead you know i mean that's basically how it goes some yep. with, with some men and and that's P- there's that stress. drive yeah yeah it, it's yeah the yeah, positive stress that's um that's it, it, exactly it and i i think yeah i think it is i think it is a, a bit a generational thing i think it's um you know it, it depends on the personality too um but i i think you get that used to being out on the road and being in front of people that, that when it's not there, um, you miss yeah. it. And yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe he didn't want to completely miss it. So he'd take some gigs, you know, here and there. I know he wasn't, um, wasn't, uh, doing, uh, doing appearances anywhere near the rate he had been just a year or two ago, but, uh, I don't think he could, uh, he could ever get out of it completely. So let's discuss some of the things that you've been talking about from in on the saucer life. Okay. Yeah. And uh, this is one that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time, and I felt like you gave a pretty succinct um, summary of it. In that, I think it was like a fifty-minute-long show that you did, <laughs> and this is on Frank Strangis and Valiant Thor. Yeah. And I what? mean, uh. the Valiant Thor stuff just really fascinates me. Because I mean, you talk about it is some it charlatan is shit. This is this is it. <laughs> the stranger in the Pentagon. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's one of the few um, UFO books of uh, you know the, the sort of contactee books that I have a conscious memory of of encountering before I got into all this stuff. Um, it, it's that uh, that inner light productions version of it from uh timothy green beckley's outfit because because he republished all the good stuff man beckley was uh is still is yeah he's he's another okay he's another one from that that generation that's that's still around tim beckley yeah we had him on the show back in november he's he is a delight to speak to he that i mean there is nobody else that you could say more truthfully that guy's a character you know Mm -hmm. it's he's just a a He's he's incredible, um, but that 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 sort of blue and orange with the 
with the the fake, you know, not endorsed for the CIA, not endorsed by the Air Force stamp on the cover. I actually remember it from before I got into all this stuff because it was it was sort of it was sort of ubiquitous. And um, the, the the crazy thing about about Valiant Thor is is that there's photos, and, and that's the thing that is just <laughs> crazy about. It. There's these photos of a guy. Who is it? Well, it's it's Valiant Thor, and and I I can't even remember the name of his of uh, Jill. Yeah, Jill, yeah, Jill. was uh, was the woman, and Don with two N's. Yes, um, yes. Jill and Jill and Don from from outer space. But were they Venusians or something? People, what did they? I yes. Um, okay. From Venus. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the pictures were Always. taken. Uh, August Roberts took the pictures. And um, he was mixed up with with Gray Barker, and he's a big part of the the Al Bender Men in Black story. And the pictures that we've all seen were taken at a a meeting at Howard Menger's house, contactee Howard Menger's house in New Jersey. And uh, Roberts was another East Coast guy. And you know somebody, and I can't remember who it was. One of your listeners probably knows. But somebody, I heard somewhere that the guy, the Valthor guy, was actually somebody that Gray Barker talked into going up to to New Jersey to Mender's party. That that a lot of this was was sort of ginned up by Barker to some degree. Now I don't, I like I said, I can't remember where I heard that. I don't think I'm imagining it. Um, but it, whether it's true or not, it's, it's a great story. And it's, but the thing is Barker did so much stuff like that and, and so much sort of, sort of, sort of, you know, pulling ribs and pranks on the ufological world that you could come up with almost any scenario and say, well, you know, Gray Barker was behind that. And, you know, I'd probably believe it. Um, but, uh, but, but who knows? Um, so, so Val Thor was not only connected with Frank Strangest, but he's he's connected to um, to Howard Menger as as well. And, and Menger is is a whole a whole other story. But um, Val Thor and, and Frank, Frank Strangest is is you know he's a, a, a sort of self anointed pre well not self anointed but anointed by his buddy preacher um, fake degrees. Yeah, a list of fake degrees a mile long. Um, yeah. Just you know, fake awards. Just just a just a a huckster from from the word go. But uh, but such a nice cuddly guy that you, you you sort of overlook that because he comes up with this goofy story of of Val Thor and the clothes that would not burn and you know for some reason he was able to to meet this guy at a. Um, at the at the Pentagon, and, and because somebody at a church meeting worked at the Pentagon and said, "Oh yeah, yeah, come on over," um, because he was, I, it, it's, it's a it's a mess. But the story remained somewhat consistent um, throughout uh, throughout his very very long career, only really changing a little bit in the the eighties and nineties and in the twenty first century when. Um, when, when strangers began to, to talk a lot more about, uh, about the spiritual stuff and, and, and basically started up his own weird little religion that, that 
sort of looks and sounds like Christianity until you get close and you realize, no, this is this this doesn't conform to to any you know orthodox Christianity that that you know I've ever encountered. And uh, if you go on YouTube, you can find footage of the ceremonies he would conduct, um, and it's just it's just fun fun goofy stuff. And and Val Thor, Valiant Thor, and Don and Jill, and these stories about it's like if Orthon was cool, you know. Orthon's there in his jumpsuit out in the desert. Valthor is wearing a suit, hanging out with women in New Jersey. You know, smoking, this, cigar- it, smoking cigarettes. Smoking, smoking yeah. cigarettes. It, it's the it's the it's the the Venusian Rat Pack. You know, Val and Don. You know, hanging out. And, and Jill's over there. And I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. You know, Howard Menger and Connie were were talking about their reincarnated lives on Saturn. You know, during this whole time, and it just seems like a much more fun lighthearted thing and like most contactees um if, if we can call strange as that uh, i guess we can like like most contactees he had a an ideological agenda he was pushing but it was it was just sort of vaguely weird and and, and religious and spiritual with no real cohesion to it um there wasn't a real sort of heavy political message to what he was saying um it, it's 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 hard to know what to think of it because you know Stranges did very well for himself for a very long time uh, with this uh, with this gimmick and it was it you know, people don't last that long and and it didn't matter how many times it was pointed out that he was a complete fraud in about five different ways there were people who believed him I and mean, there's people who believe George Adamski out there too but. But he's dead, so it's easier, and you can make up stuff. But but Stranges was still there, you know, getting loads of money from people. Uh, he had an inner circle that you could join with secret special teachings, and it was like fifteen hundred dollars to join this thing, and people did um, just you know give him money for for his his you know secret esoteric teachings and his his own personal interpretation of the Dead Sea Scrolls or whatever. And, and over time, yeah. you know, by the, by the, the 80s and 90s and 21st century, Val Thor was, was not even part of it. He was just running this, uh, this religion. And, and in the, uh, the eulogies that were put up online by, I think one was by his, his wife and the other, I think his sister or sister-in-law, it, they didn't mention the the flying saucer stuff at all. They didn't mention Valthor at all. He was just a, you know, a, a a good man with all of these accolades from the religious and law enforcement communities that, of course, weren't all made up at all. And and you know, a, a deeply wise spiritual teacher. And you know, it, it's almost like he was able to successfully shed the UFO stuff, the flying saucer stuff, and transition into being just sort of a, a, a cuddly mustached guru by the end of his life. But, you know, people like us remember you know, it, it's Val. He's the Val Thor guy. He's always going to be the Val Thor guy. Did he, did he kind of like, do you think he kind of started like kind of a cult in a way? Like a small cult? I, I, I think I uh, I think if he had been a different type of person, it could have turned into a cult very easily. I don't. I think what would sort of do, uh, it, it's hard to 
the way I sort of define cult, well, not me, but but one of the the ways to define a cult is is, is it a cult or is it religion? I don't know. How do they react when you try to leave? Mm-hmm. In a cult, you don't leave, and if you try to leave, you are you are shunned and cut off, and you've already you know cut off your family and friends on the outside. So there's this idea they they build in the system where if you leave the group, you have nowhere else to go. Yeah, you're isolated. I right. They they completely isolate you socially and 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 um relationally and everything and i've i don't believe i've seen any indication that that strange's was doing anything was doing anything like that and he would have these these meetings usually at at you know motel conference centers so it's not like he had a compound anywhere where he could easily isolate people i think it's more I think of it more as a a very 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 small scale thing along the lines of the uh, the Aetherius Society that was started up by contactee George King, and in England and, and eventually out out in California. They've got little assemblies or congregations all over the world, and and you know it, it's you, know, you you can go there and visit. And they don't try to feed you the low protein gruel to break your will or anything like that. They're 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 really you know, very, very friendly people. And I, I think, um, I think strange is probably had aspirations for whatever he called his thing. I can't remember it offhand, but, uh, for it to be, um, something along those lines. Was there a connection between him and, um, Ray Boucher, the Frank, Frank Stranges and the whole like yes. Collins elite stuff. Is that, is that, you know, I'm not sure the degree the Collins elite was involved, but uh, but yeah, um, Ray and uh, there's another Ray, Ray Brochiers. Um, he was connected with with uh, with him too, um, and uh, Ray Brochiers was mixed up in some aspects of the Lee Harvey Oswald JFK thing. Later became a gay activist out in um, gay rights activist out in San Francisco. Uh, Adam Gorightly has some some really good stuff on um, Ray Brochiers, but but Ray. Um, Beaky, Bishi, Beshi, I can't remember how to pronounce it, that, that Redford talks about in Final Events. Um, I don't know that they had any connection, but the the sort of, you know, uh, religious overtones and the, the, the Christianity aspect of it does, uh, does make me wonder. Yeah. Um, I can't, I honestly can't, uh, can't remember. Yeah, I'll have to look that back up, and as I have final events at home, I'll have to see if that's if that was maybe there was maybe some kind of association. Because as far as I it remember, wouldn't surprise like, me at all. Ray Boucher was just this this random guy, a random. I guess he was an Anglican minister, and the supposed Collins elite came to him asking him all kinds of questions about UFOs and all this kind of stuff. And I was thinking maybe there could have been some kind of connection between him and and Stranges. Has anyone ever done any research to see who Valiant Thor and Dawn and Jill actually were? Um, not that I know of. Uh, if somebody out there knows, that would be awesome to find out. But I don't think anybody has, I was going to say, has identified the bodies. But that, that's not how I want to say it. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think anybody has, has identified them um, other than, than they were part of... A, a fairly, you know, moderately large group at uh, at Mender's house that uh, that one day. 
Okay. Yeah. That picture of the three of them, is that, that's the picture taken at Mindra's house? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Was was this something like they actually testified at the Pentagon or something like that? Or is that just a claim that Strange just said? Or That's a claim that Strange just said. Okay. Um, I, I don't. There's some new documents I found just today that I haven't read through yet where August Roberts sort of wrote up some stuff about Valiant Thor that was related to Menger. Um, and I meant to read them before we recorded this, and I did not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think the the Pentagon stuff, um, his story, uh, Strange is a story about Val Thor at the Pentagon, actually, pre, I believe, predated the August Roberts picture of the people. So okay. I think there was a, a weird sort of thing where um, there's all, there's these stories floating around and, and gray Barker was, was working with Menger and gray Barker was working with, uh, with strangers and gray Barker was working very closely with Augie Roberts. And I, I think there was some, some synchronization there of stories trying, I've got this weird sort of, semi unreal idea that that there is a there is a sort of like there's the marvel universe and the dc universe that there's the gray barker universe of ufology and, and that you know if if you look hard enough and you, you fool yourself into it you can sort of see how gray barker was was in some ways maybe trying to or could have been or could have if he would have wanted to construct a narrative that accommodated all of the different people's stories that he published um at Saucerian Press. And that that sort of that sort of um seems to continue to today. There's a, a new Saucerian press that republishes a lot of stuff. And um I've found that there are some discrepancies from the original stuff and, and what New Saucerian has published. But New Saucerian will, will publish books like Michael X, the contactee I, I did an episode about um, a while back. They'll publish a, a Michael X book and there will be a foreword by Val Thor um, that didn't exist in, like, like Val Thor's, you know, you know, beaming these things from Venus. Um, if, if you search Val, Valiant Thor on Amazon, there are, there are all these books that, that you know, as far as I can tell, had no real connection to what Valiant Thor actually did back in the, back in this. Valiant Thor's um, Venusian health magic, um, Valiant Thor's Venusian science secret. That's a that's a Michael X. Barton book or a Michael X. book. It simply has the new version that's out on on Amazon. Simply has Valiant Thor's you know put in front of it. Um, <laughs> There's also yeah. a there's a band called Valiant Thor, by the way. Fantastic. Valiant Thor's still out there. He's uh, <laughs> he's publishing books on Amazon now. But uh, yeah, so of course. It, it, <laughs> I I mean, why not? You know, why? Who who are who are we to doubt Valiant Thor, right? Um, it, it's it's ufology. I mean, and and you know, I can I can go down my rabbit hole of of you know comparing the text of original versions and and republished versions but you know unless you're trying to make a specific argument based on the text of the book and what the original author's intent was i mean it's just flying saucer books lighten up right um in 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 the end it's all just saucer 
stuff. So, um, but you know, Valiant Thor, it's this, I don't want to call it a meme because everything's a meme now. And I'm, I'm too old to use the word meme, but, uh, there's, there's this idea that I, I think Valiant Thor now exists sort of independently of anybody who had anything to do with his creation. And he's, he's sort of this free floating figure that can be adopted to introduce contact ebooks with a new forward by Valiant Thor. He's kind of like Hermes Trismegistus. He's just a he's just a whole group of people posing as an individual. Yeah, it's yeah. A, right. Valiant or um or uh, the um uh Saint Germain, the Count Saint Germain, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, Guy Ballard can meet him on the side of a mountain and he's walking down Fifth Avenue as we were, as we speak, you know. He um it's just a new identity adopted by by part of a secret brotherhood. And these people are in a secret brotherhood so lame that Valiant Thor is the identity they've chosen <laughs> rather than Hermes Trimagestus or something like that. The uh Valiant didn't didn't he Valiant Thor supposedly didn't he show up at some of the giant rock conferences? yeah that was that was the story and and whether he did or not you know who knows but you know there's you know strangers would say and i think some other people said you know i met valiant thor there oh really do you have a picture no but he was there did did he speak no he was there on a secret mission just to observe (laughs) but yeah there's, there's a couple times where you know well, who'd you see at Giant Rock? Well, I heard Valiant Thor was there. You know, really? Yeah. Did you see him? No. So it's <laughs> he just sort of it, it, it's all down to the fact that there was a picture of a guy that was that they said was Valiant Thor. If there's a picture of a guy, it must be real and tangible in a way that Orthon's the drawing of Orthon's footprint isn't. Or that just a picture of a flying saucer isn't. Um, it, it's you know, it, if that fo- if that guy in the photo wasn't Valiant Thor, then who was it? Yeah, tell me that, smart guy. You know, it, it's it gives you something to hang on to a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's just these things that seep into the mythology. It, it's another thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, that's another one that's always interested me. Is this is you just covered alternative three, and even though this kind of isn't a, it's not really like the UFO or like flying saucer thing, I guess in a sense that it is because it you know it, it's it's really the root of the whole secret space program mythology. It is, it is right up there as as one of the foundational sources of of the modern the modern secret space program thing. Um, there, there'd been for a long time, you know, Nazi saucer stuff, you know, and that, that kind of gets us to some, some secret space program things, but, um, alternative three and in particular, the book alternative three. And th- this is something that, that I, I, I want to make clear because I'm not sure how well it came across in the, I, I think it, it happened. Okay. In the, the podcast episode I did, on it, but um, it's very, very confusing because when you read about Alternative Three, um, whether it was Bill Cooper talking about it, or conspiracy researcher May Brussel talking about it, or uh, Jim Keith writing about it, or speaking about it, or, or just about anybody who talks about any details of Alternative Three, that stuff comes from the book. Before the book, there was the television production. 
And that was, you know, much more low key than the book was. Have you seen the TV show? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, and it it's 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 great. I mean, it's fun and it's it's weird, but when in the in the, the mid 80s, late 80s, early 90s when Alternative 3 started getting talked about, you couldn't really find the TV show very easily. So people relied on the book and and and, and sort of assumed the TV show was the same. The TV show, you know, as far as it goes, is there are experts disappearing from around Britain and around the world. An astronaut who went to the moon saw that somebody else had been to the moon first. We find out at the very end that the moon is a, a sort of staging platform or launching platform for manned exploration of Mars. And it sort of ends there because it's it's about an hour long and that's uh, that's really all they have time for. The book, which has as one of the co-authors the original scriptwriter of the TV show the book was actually written by Le- by a, a guy named Leslie Watkins who didn't have anything to do with the TV show but sort of you know got the rights to novelize this but had to include the co-author's name and this this book and and he, it, it, it's a novel it's it's fiction um it's it's great it is great cheesy fun and it's so weird because it was out of print for so long and somebody published um something called archimedes press published a version of it that they claimed was you know copyright free and creative commons and has has had all the disinformation removed they said but then just about a year ago watkins's son convinced watkins who's now like 80 something and living on in new zealand i think to you know issue the book again so it's it's a a sort of create space print on demand thing and um it's you know comparing it to um to the 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 free version that was put out a while ago it's it's night and day i mean it's the the one that was put out free was was completely it's not even the same book in many fundamental ways the book is the one that talks about all the detailed plans of the bases in various places and how they're they're culling humanity and and there's there's some people who are chosen to go um because of their expertise and and most of us will simply be scooped up as batch consignments of just people who are there to be to be castrated because to reduce sexual urges and prevent reproduction and will be enslaved and if we are no longer fit for work, we'll be broken down into our core components and used for our resources. You know, it's really the sort of nightmare stuff. And that's the sort of thing that and, and the, the memory altering and the mind control stuff. That's the sort of thing that people like Jim Keith and stealing from Jim Keith, uh, Bill Cooper, you know, picked up on when they were when they were looking at the sort of looking at alternative three. It's not necessarily from the TV show. But from the book, and the, the TV show is is pretty clearly um, pretty. It, it's a it's an April Fool's joke. It, it just didn't go out on April Fools because British TV was constantly disrupted by strikes in the seventies, and it just it got pushed back. Um, but it's it's fun stuff. It, it's the root of, like you said, the the secret space program stuff. And I think you know if you talk about the batch consignments and, and a select few being saved and and others not being saved. It, it goes back to a lot of the population reduction conspiracy theories yeah. that are out there. It, it yeah. sort of ties into those. It ties into this idea of, um, of uh, you know, not much difference between 
some of the stuff in Alternative Three and the, uh, the the FEMA death camp type conspiracy theories. Um, it, it really is, you know, the the root of the most visible root of a lot of that. Um, because honestly, the idea of an elite eliminating those they think are undesirable um, in order to create a place they believe to be, you know, better. That's not exactly a new notion, right? Um, yeah, it goes back a long way, like in the real world. So, but Alternative 3 put it into this space age um, conspiracy narrative because it's an investigation. And the book tells the story of trying to get this program made and, um, and how the powers that be were attempting to stop them. The people in charge of the TV show just keep digging and digging and, and digging. It's sort of a, you know, you know, parallax view, three days of the condor, or, you know, all the president's men style thing. That's the genre it comes out of is, is the sort of conspiracy journalist, you know, going rogue and trying to figure out the truth. So it fits into that, that genre of writing, but it tapped into enough things that were in the news at the time, like the U S Soviet joint space mission that the, the space station linked up the Soyuz and Apollo link up. Um, it tied into the, the recently revealed MK ultra experimentation. Um, it, it tied into all these things. It, it was yeah. in many ways, the most 1980 book that could have been written. Um, and once, once you get people who actually believe this stuff as presented, um, sort of divorced from the historical context, it looks very, um, it looks very sort of, you know, prophetic, but at the time it was just, it, it, it was very much of its time. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a completely awesome, it was, an incredibly cool 70s, early 80s conspiracy journalist um, novel. And it's it's fun. I urge everybody to get the Alternative 3 book that's it's 18 bucks on Amazon. The Kindle version is dirt cheap. Um, it, it's, it's, just, it's just fun. But these things, just, they, they just take on a life of their own. And, you know, they start off from this, like, kind of this, this fictional, kind of War of the Worlds-esque broadcast... And the book is then, I guess, the the book to that joins up with the film. the The book version of the film comes out, and then it's not available, so it it has this air of mystery to it. And then people start just kind right. of taking it seriously. And it, you know, the, you're right; these things still pop up because still was it two years ago? You know, there was this guy on Alex Jones talking about how there's like slave colonies on Mars. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's all, you know, from that same source. And what's great, Leslie Watkins was, was a, is, well, was at the time, probably still is a, a brilliant, um, brilliant guy who, who really leaned into a lot of the, the narratives. He would, he would write stuff up and, 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 you know, send letters to the editor when people complained about, you know, the, the book being people thinking the book was real. He'd, he'd sort of say, well, you know, it's fiction, but there's a <laughs> lot of stuff that was real that yeah. went into that fiction. He talked about how he was working on a sequel where it would be like a nonfiction sequel to it. And the, the trunk of evidence mysteriously vanished when I moved to New Zealand and things like that. There's a story and I don't know how true this is, 
there's a story that um, when Penguin Books originally published it, they accidentally listed it on their nonfiction book list instead of the fiction list. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. so some have said that fueled it. Um, Gray Barker at one point claimed that the book had been banned in the United States and was not able to be legally sold. And he was right in that it was not able to be legally sold, but that's because the publisher who published it didn't have the rights to sell it in the United States. And it would be like a couple years before a U.S. publisher was able to publish it, not because there had been some sort of like, you know, executive order banning Alternative <laughs> 3. But Gray Barker was able to, you know, it's it's not allowed to be sold in the United States. Yeah, this, uh, this they're, stuff. They're, they're not letting it in. You, you, some of these guys, I mean, they're very much just like the, they're, they're the, the modern day equivalent of like the Carnival Barker. You know, oh, yeah. not the, no pun intended. But you know, you know, you know. But that's that's how they are. It's like you know, you do give you just that little bit, but they won't tell you why. They just let you fill in that gap, and then you know the the conspiracies yeah, just I, it just blossoms from there. Absolutely, and it's it's so easy. It's so easy to do because there's especially with the. It's a little harder with the UFO stuff because you know all we've really got are lights in the sky and 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 you know, people's stories. But you start telling a story about political conspiracy, you start pointing fingers at the CIA or, or multinational organizations that are kind of shadowy. You start talking about mind control and drug trafficking and, and human trafficking and things like that. And, you know, what are you going to do? Say those things aren't real. They're very real. Now the stories that we make up about them um, and, and the way we sort of extrapolate from the basic facts, that can, that can go anywhere, one direction or another, and usually in a very weird direction. But um, you know, an, an example of that is uh, several years ago, there was d- during one of the recurrences of the, uh, you know, they're going to lock us up in the FEMA prison camps thing. Um, there was some online discussion board thing that I, that I saw that I, I shared with my wife and like, you know why Walmarts don't have any windows? It's because the Walmarts are going to be used as, as death camps when the new world order takes over. Jade Helm. And, and, and yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, that's it. It was, it was, it was the Jade Helm. It was during Jade Helm. Yeah, it was 2015 or so. And then a, a couple months ago, Prior to excuse me, prior to all that, I actually did see a uh, some kind of weird military exercise at a local Walmart. <laughs> there was actually really? all these and trucks the filling up. Yeah, I mean it's just a yeah, it's a big parking lot, you know. So for any kind of urban thing, and it's a go-to place. You know, it, it's it's a good staging area just because of all the asphalt, right? For for the vehicles they have to use. A couple months ago, my uh, my wife pointed out a uh, a news story to me that um, that down at the southern border. Um, asylum seekers and refugees were being temporarily housed in Walmarts, and yeah. I was just like, "Yep, here we here we go, here we go. This is going to this is going to to fuel it. Just like every human trafficking arrest has something to do with PizzaGate, right? Every every time there's human trafficking in the news, it fuels those who are like, this is the big sweep where they're gonna you know carry out the, the 10,000 sealed indictments on everybody I disagree with and they're all going to get sent to Gitmo um, you know it, calm it's, before the storm there's enough horrible 
That's that's right, man. It's it trust the plan. Um, it, it, it's there's so much horrible stuff in the world that it isn't too difficult for most people to believe that this story they're hearing that is just incrementally more horrible than what they see on the news every night. They don't find it that implausible. So, you know, conspiracy theories get some of the, there's a lot of talk about, you know, people who believe in conspiracies, you know, you know, are just seeking some sort of control or agency or some way to understand the world in which they live. I, I, I think that's partially true, but I also think that, that the very real underhanded things that have been done, um, especially over the last hundred years or so, have have conditioned us to to not bat an eye when we hear a story about a horrible thing that's being done by people in power. And I, I think Alternative Three um, very much very much feeds into that. Who amongst us would not believe that if they could, every all the powerful people would leave us to cook here on a doomed planet Earth while they go to their their paradise on Mars and have you know slaves do all the work. I mean, I don't know. I I don't believe it's true, but I believe that if it were true, it would be true. That's not a real sentence, but I, I believe that if it were possible, I, I don't believe it's implausible that people might have those motivations. The scary thing is the conspiracy theories are, are not keeping up with reality. And now the conspiracy right. theories just read like the news. I miss stuff like Alternative 3. That's I all. Think, uh, Alternative sl- 3 is all pre, uh, pre-transhumanism. pre So now the, a lot of the endgame conspiracy stuff is about the elites, you know, ascending into their machines and not even the offward colony thing is not is is the thing of the past, like you're saying. Yeah. Except yeah, and like, I mentioned like on the- um, Elon Musk. Well, there you know, yeah. right? Yeah. But I don't even think they're going to need us anymore. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind yeah. of the view now. Whereas in the past, it's like, oh, of course they need us as slave labor. Right. They they don't need an army of space slaves. Oh dang! There goes my <laughs> way to Mars. <laughs> we don't need space slaves like now. I mean, I think the whole AI thing ha- has sort of derailed the whole yeah, you know exactly. space slave thing. And and now you know it, it's. I'm 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 waiting for for more prevalent AI based conspiracy theories, such as, um, you know, some of the people whose names you read in the news who are in positions of power, they don't even exist. They're just a complex. They're just a complex AI. And when you see, you know, like there is no um, there is no Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan. There never has been. Her entire history is invented. Judges are just complex AIs that have been programmed to to provide the results and the, the rulings that the elite want at specific times. I, I'm waiting for, you know, it, it's not too different from they're uh, secretly a, a lizard person. I, I think we or, just got we um, can we can get that started here right now. You know, I I, I keep thinking that I, I need to start more conspiracy theories. Um, just just take random people and and blame them for for various things. You know, I and I don't know, just put it out there. So on we Twitter. should like anybody else heard the story that I don't I don't know. You know, Tim Banal is behind the whole Serpo thing <laughs> years ago. You know, that makes look, sense. notice, notice that when, when Serpo started and when and when Banal started his radio show. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm just asking questions. Yeah. 
we should we should take that clip of you saying that about the advanced ai we're going to just section that that little part out and put it in 30 that 30 second part on instagram and see what happens <laughs> cool. cool you were uh, you were saying something on uh that i wanted to to, to ask you about uh, this is kind of a the, diverging from the ufo field but uh we we're talking about uh you were on banal's one of banal's show and you were talking about uh something about QAnon, and it reminded you of some kind of like anti-tax movement from the early yeah um, from like I'm earlier in this working on a new book um about this um about uh about positive conspiracy theories um yeah, the idea of, of conspiracy theories with with happy endings or conspiracies you can, can manipulate and control because that's that's a, a different sort of angle and it's sort of you know um, and I think I'm, I'm going to well I think I told my publisher I'm going to uh, trace it back sort of starting with the sovereign citizen movement oh yeah and and the idea that if if you know the secrets if you know the the obscure reason why the the real 13th amendment doesn't appear in any of our history books or you know what it means when there's a gold fringed flag in the classroom that you can manipulate um the 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 world around you the legal world around you and not have to pay any taxes and and just you know be completely free and independent but um but then sort of traveling from that to to sort of weird financial scams and uh, nisara um is uh Something that that took on a weird life of its own about about ten no oh god probably about ten fifteen years ago now and uh, it started off it was just a, a sort of thought experiment by an economist for a new economic system and then through a very complex combination of a, a weird financial scam from Illinois and some strange new age people um, Nisara became this whole narrative where there was a, a new law that that was passed at the end of the Clinton administration that would er- that would completely Get rid of the the Federal Reserve, remake the money system, put everything back the way everybody knows it's supposed to be. All of your debts would be wiped out, and and everything would be good again. Except in order to prevent this from taking place, because it would ruin the the system for what we have now, or for the people who are in charge now. Um, it was it was signed into law but suppressed, and the Supreme Court court put a gag order on anybody even mentioning it which is not how gag orders work but um there there was luckily there was some there was some uh, some people deep within the government embedded within the government who are trying to get the truth out trying to get the law implemented they just need a little more time they almost had it and it was going to go into effect on i think i think september 12th 2001 oh. so of course of course, we had to engineer the 9/11 attacks to distract people and to keep uh, Nasara suppressed. And there was a woman woman who called herself Dove of Oneness out in Washington. She's dead now, but um, I don't know why. I felt the need to point out that, but she's dead. Um, she was, Not under any know, mysterious circumstances, she right? Running, she was running a real scam. No, no, I, I think she's just dead. Um, <laughs> sort of, sort of. You know, norm, normal dead, not conspiracy theory dead. But um, <laughs> she was – nobody's ever died under normal circumstances. But she um, 
she was running this this whole this whole thing, and and people were were giving her money, and it was so going to be okay because, you know, go ahead and take out another mortgage on your house because as soon as the white hats are able to get Nassara implemented, your mortgage is going to go away. Yeah. So so just just borrow all that money. Uh, there was a documentary, and I don't think it's streaming for free anywhere. I, I think you can get it, you can purchase it. I don't know where, but it's called Waiting for Nassara that sort of follows some of these these Nasara believers. But QAnon has um, a lot of the same a lot of the same features. The, the idea that that despite the the overwhelming evil and corruption of the government, there are people in it working to make things better. And you just have to hold on. And look at all these little signs that we see. Did you see how the Undersecretary of Transportation for bridge infrastructure east of the Mississippi was holding his pen during that signing ceremony. <laughs> Did you notice that? Did you see how that pen was pointed? I think you'll notice if you look at all of the lines I've drawn and the words I've put on this photograph, you will understand that we are only hours, maybe days away from the 33,000 secret indictments being carried out and the enemies of of the Republic being being taken away. Um, you know, it, it, it's that sort of thing. It, it's always just around the corner. And any anything that, that points toward this happening is is completely true. Anything that points toward it being nonsense is is just propaganda from from the from the deep state, from the international bankers, from the Trilateral Commission, from whoever. They're they're just trying to keep it from from happening. And this is such a such a, it's almost sadder than the they're gonna they're gonna lock us up in the FEMA camps and we're all gonna get decapitated by the portable guillotines that have been imported. It, it's sadder than that because that, at least, is like yeah, probably someday. Uh, but you know, it, it's it, it's it's sort of this, this the, the hopeful conspiracy theories are just kind of um, it, it, the Simpsons episode. I'm, so old, but the, the systems up Simpsons episode where they're at camp crusty and, and you've got Bart sitting there. Crusty is coming. Crusty is coming. Crusty is coming. Crusty is coming. You know, it, it's, it's that sort of thing. It, it's, it's the people who hang on to the stuff are the, the little kids who've been abandoned at summer camp or, or feel like that, oh, who, who feel like, you know, the, the world is not how I want it to be. The world is not how it's supposed to be because things were supposed to be better than this. Yeah. What if, somebody's going to fix it. Right. And you can help make it happen by sharing this meme on Facebook <laughs> and confusing everybody who's related to you. <laughs> and you know, it, it, it just, it just spreads. It's, it's, um, the white hats are coming. They're going to save us. In your exploration of like the, the sovereign citizens and some of these scams, did you come into contact with any of the, the more science temple stuff? Yes. <laughs> That stuff is weird. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's um, you know, it, it's it's one of these things where we've got this kind of um, stereotypical, um, sort of stereotypical view of what um, of what these organizations are. And when you say sovereign citizen, I mean the first thing that flashes in, in most people's minds what? and, and <laughs> in my mind is is, is, is yeah some white guy for, probably from out west because of the 
the uh, the sort of connection to the posse comitatus and the the, the land use controversies yeah, of the seventies, yeah. and you know, it, it's it's and it's not you know stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. Sometimes it, it's you know most of the time when you come across a, a sovereign citizen, it's uh, it's some some white guy. But the, the Moorish Science Temple of America is an example of of how this this idea of there is a secret history that um, you know there's a secret history that we need to reclaim. And, um, and the truth is, the truth is here. Um, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not always so connected, uh, so connected to, to one demographic group or another. So you got a a group of, of African Americans and, and, you know, sort of connected as the Washita nation, which, um, is connected to the Moorish science temple, but they claim to be, um, Native Americans, Right. And uh, they're, they're not a real tribe. Um, it, it's not a real tribe. They've got their own uh, fake college, City University of Los Angeles. I think Los Angeles. Might, you know, it's, well, it's Los Angeles. They've got a fake college. They've got this territory. You can join, you take classes, and you, you participate in online chats. And uh, they have an empress, which is always nice. Um, and uh, she died a few years ago. Um, they claim that they're on the United Nation Register of, of Indigenous Peoples. It's it's not real. But if you join, you can get rid of all of your connection to the U.S. government because you'll be a citizen of the Washita Nation, right? And you know everything everything will be fine. It, it's very similar to you know renouncing for, for the the sort of stereotypically white sovereign citizens, you know, denou- renouncing your status as a, a 14th Amendment citizen of the United States and, and becoming a natural and reclaiming your heritage as a natural born citizen of natural the United States. Natural man of the land. Uh, man of the land. Yeah. And you have to put a comma be- between your first and last name and, uh, and, and God help you if you capitalize anything because, uh, it's a, because it's a that corporation. means you are, yeah. you are not a, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're, corporation you're, a, you're a legal no longer a person. You're, you're, yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Gosh. Exhausting. I've been, I've been what, kicking what? all this stuff to Adam because he doesn't know about it, but I was like, hey, yeah. whole, uh, your birth certificate is actually a, a, a manifest. Uh, you're delivered yeah. uh, on the from the water uh, like a, a like ship cargo, and you're... Uh, when you go to court, yeah, you're, you're actually in a. You're water, actually going so you're, on to. You're, you're under maritime jurisdiction. Yes. Yes. Or, or, you when know, you when you are yeah. assuming that that corporate capital all caps name. It, it's, it's just wild. And when you go to court, you're getting onto a boat. That's what happens when you pass the bar, and so then you're under maritime law, and that that gold French flag is there to show you that uh that that you're under maritime law, but. I was I've been exposed to a lot of the more science temple stuff and uh I guess whereas the there's been a lot of crossover too because I think a lot of the the more science temple people have actually helped sovereign citizens also become uh uh these native american nationalities or declare themselves as so I think there's actually been some work in between I know a lot of the especially down in Atlanta a lot of the moors are known for squatting so they will squat yeah. in like a mansion and then start spewing off like all this, you know, their 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 uh, legal claims and constitution, man, the land, and all these like you know technicalities, and uh, try to stay in these mansions for free. 
when the sheriff show up. Yeah, and it it it's it it ties up the courts and and cops aren't sure what to do about it. Yeah, you yeah, know? because they're um, just so inundated with all this information. Pretty, sounds pretty legal. Right. Yeah. And they're like freaking and, out um, usually and they got the Moroccan flag out and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it's like it, the, the cops are like is this going to be some sort of actual international incident if I, you know, right, you know, diplomatic status. Which I mean, it's it's yeah. very it's very interesting how Noble Drali came up with this idea of, uh, you know, if if we are suffering this oppression under the American system because of our uh, racial status under the law, if we can just change our self definition and and our nationalism itself, then we can overcome this systematic oppression so it's it's kind of like right i kind of really respect you know where it where it came from and it was is pretty ingenious um but you know it's not it's not true and on the other end i recognize this stuff really quick because i grew up with a lot of uh of mormons and i had a history of 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 some mormonism in my family so i saw just the other end i was like wait you guys are just trying to say you're the real indians you know just like the right. british israelis so it's right exactly uh-huh. Will the real exactly and Native Americans stand up? Will the real Hebrews stand up? Yeah, and you get like fifty yeah. different groups yeah. saying they're the real one. Yeah, and and all of these, all of these identities come with come with you know historical and, and, and cultural cachet that you can uh, that you can that you can take advantage of. So it's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. Yeah. The just real quick from. 1973 year of the humanoids <laughs> yeah <laughs> what are some of your favorite stories from that yeah um my favorite being, being an indiana guy I, I i really like the um hartford city indiana there were uh three different people who saw the same sort of creature um sort of a, a silvery creature with box-like feet and a kind of tube running from the midsection up to the mouth and they they sort of moved slowly across the road, and then one investigator saw them sort of like like do a little hop hop hop, and then sort of take off into the air like a helicopter. Um, I don't know what the hell that was, but <laughs> it's so funny. And there was one where um, you got luminous dots sort of moving along the ground. You've got lots of incidents of of strange creatures just sort of just sort of hopping up and down with their arms in the air, making strange sounds. Um, it, it, it doesn't sound like aliens, because why would... That, that's weird. It sounds like people... Some of it sounds like people in costumes. Um, my favorite is the description of a hairy robot. I'm not entirely sure how that works, but a hairy robot. Uh, there's some great stories about you know, a pair of creatures walking along and one of them picking things up and putting them in a sack that the other one is carrying. Um, it, it just, it's such a, a varied array of things. And what's, what's great is that the book from Kufos that, that has all these things, they also talk about the abduction phenomenon and they sort of don't know where to put it because it's clearly not a contactee thing, but it's clearly not just seeing a weird creature next to a ufo and and so they they sort of they sort of punt and say it's a humanoid encounter but this is weird and we have to use hypnosis to get this stuff out of people 
so we're sort of seeing this transition into the um, into the, the, the abductee uh, scenario, and and of course that's the year um, in that whole that whole constellation of of happenings. You have the Pascagoula um, encounters as well, which I haven't read the new book by uh, by the one guy who didn't write the book the first time around, Calvin um, is it Parker. Hickson? Hickson, who wrote the new book, Calvin Cal- Parker. Calvin Parker. Get yeah. confused. Um, they're just two guys from Mississippi. I don't know um, who saw really, but again, the Pascagoula creatures—they're weird. They've got like sort of spikes instead of ears, and no face, and weird tube-like arms with the little claw things. Um, one thing I wonder is—is is why don't we see this? Um, this isn't an original question. Why don't we see creatures like this anymore? Um, right. why do we sort of go in these phases of, we see these guys, then we see these folks and we see this other kind of, kind of people. And then, you know, we see, you know, we're back to, we're back to humanoids. We talk about the tall whites and the Nordics that people still talk about. We're, we're sort of back to some of that. Um, are there different creatures visiting us? Are they the same entity that is taking on different aspects for reasons that we can't comprehend um is it really a very small number of actual encounters and a lot of people who um i don't know talk themselves into thinking they had an encounter and so they model it on what they've read about or heard about it's um it's strange it's it's strange but the uh, the real sort of bizarre weirdness I, I think really reached a height there in the 70s it was the 70s are an underrated year for UFOs and the paranormal or an underrated decade. Um, we all talk about, you know, project blue book and Dr. Hynek in the sixties and then the abduction and heavy conspiracy stuff of the eighties and nineties. But, but the seventies were, were sort of where you've got this transition to these, uh, th- this new abduction paradigm. And, and but you still got the, the weirdness sort of hanging out, but you've also got, you know, Jacques Vallée and, and John Keel doing more of their thing and developing their ideas it's it's really a um a fertile period for the field plus you got like can call it that the travis walton abduction that right. happens in 75 i mean Which close encounters comes it- out the same a couple of years after that um yep. you know there's 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 several things that happen and there's the, the 1973 there's a huge uh, wave of UFOs. I just wonder why the, the, this humanoid sighting, why 1973 specifically? Yeah, and, and with the humanoid encounters being sort of clustered at the end of the year, but the whole year is just a massive year for sightings um, of all kinds. And, um, and, and who knows what was going on? I'm sure there have been all kinds of statistical analyses of what was going on sort of astra astronomically and and cosmically you know what it's like the old theories about you know are there more sightings when mars is closest to to the earth and things like that you had john keel with his wednesday hypothesis um but uh but yeah 1973 for some reason was was one of those years where a whole lot of things happen and you know apart from things like the kufo study you, you don't see a lot of talk of it anymore um individual cases like pathkagula you know get a lot of attention but you know i I think especially in the 
in, in the 90s and early 21st century, Pascagoula got attention because it was people were able to add it to their list of abduction scenarios. It was, you know, along with Betty and Barney Hill and, and, and those others, um, people weren't talking about Pascagoula for the absolute weirdness of the creatures or the, um, or, or the fact that we had, you know, recorded statements taken by the police and things like that, that, uh, that were out there. Um, once the eighties hit nineties hit, everything was, how do we connect this to what we already know or think we know or what's popular, but now the seventies. Yeah. And, and Travis Walton, the same way. I mean, it's an abduction, but it's an abduction at a time when there wasn't just, a, when that wasn't a category. Yeah. It was just yeah. another one of these, these weird things, kind of like the Betty and Barney Hill deal. But, um, yeah, the abduction stuff at, really at takes like, over in the eighties. Oh yeah. Yeah. When it becomes capital a abductions and, and the abduction, um, the abduction phenomenon, uh, which which I'm not sure that's the right word, but that's the word that gets used, um, and and you have people sort of looking at that as its own distinct phenomenon apart from apart from sightings and and all the other things we used to track, and that becomes what everybody sort of sort of plays around with, and and you don't have as many weird humanoid encounters, and you don't have as many. Um, I, Actually, you don't have as much overlap between different paranormal categories as you had in the 70s. I think the 70s was sort of the golden age of, of you know, when people said, well, maybe maybe Bigfoot and flying saucers are all part of the same thing. You could point to some of these weird humanoid cases and say, well, yeah, look at that. You know, big hairy creature jumps out and there's a UFO sitting right there. So you started to see those barriers breaking down a little bit. But uh, with the abduction thing and with Roswell and with MJ 12 in the eighties, everything just sort of those, those barriers and boundaries between, uh, between phenomenon sort of, sort of slammed down pretty tight. I think that that's a good place to place to leave it, Aaron. Thank you so much for doing this. Where can people hear the saucer life? Uh, see what you're doing. Grab, maybe grab some books. Yeah. Um, if you go to saucerlife.com. Uh, dot com. You can uh, listen to all the past episodes of the show, and there's links to uh, to, to my books on Amazon. There, if you um, throw Saucer Life in um, in iTunes or any other podcast library, it's there. Um, you can listen to any. It's the old old cliche. Anywhere you find podcasts, um, you can find it. Highly, recom- highly recommended. Twitter, yeah. Thanks. It's it's been it's been fun to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for so much for coming on. Stay on the line for us. Uh, we're going to close this section out, and we'll be right back to close out the show on Conspiracy Normal. So we've got a sponsor called ZipRecruiter, and you can further hypnotize yourself into success and if you want to help us and help the show on behalf of our partner ZipRecruiter here's why ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology 
identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience, and actively invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. Thus, rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Conspiranormal, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Conspiranormal. You can try ZipRecruiter for free. out yo rolling rolling that's right so very epic interview with aaron quite enjoyed it i'm glad you brought up the whole moorish um flag thing i was about to tell you to see if he knew about that oh yeah i'm sure he didn't encounter that it's <laughs> funny that yeah that stuff's, that stuff's pretty crazy i'd never heard of that before until you I'm told surprised me you were it. in the capital where Atlanta, pretty Oh, much. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but I've probably, never really heard about that before. Yeah. Was apparently, has that been going on? So that's been going on for quite a while then. Yeah, they're, they're really active there. They have a lot of African-American cults in Atlanta. That's probably the center most, uh, besides like, you know, Nation of Islam in Chicago. Yeah. But uh, the Nuwabians were from Atlanta. You know, they, they had that whole, uh, Dr. Malachi York, he had his whole, they had that whole little compound out there. But then, of course, he got in trouble for, uh, you know, sexual deviances, but, you know, they still maintain that he was just set up. Uh, then you have the more science temple and all kinds of break-offs of that, and, you know, that whole kind of, that whole scene down there. And they squat in the buildings, and... Then they use, like, these obscure parts of laws about, um, I don't even know, man, it's not... It's not I wonder if, um... Was it to move the one that got firebombed from the air in Philadelphia? I wonder if they were a part of that. No, I think they were more Afrocentric and recognizing that they were actually Africans. Okay, okay, okay. So they weren't part of it. Not under the protection of Morocco. Right. Because you mentioned Noble Drew Ali, so that would have been a long time ago. So this has been going on at least, like, what, since the 40s, 50s? No, before that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, you can talk about 100 years then. Yeah, the pretty much. This has been around. Pretty much, but I think a lot of this kind of, like, scamming and stuff has been uh, more recent. Okay. Yeah, and if it goes in with the uh, Sovereign Citizen Movement right, and all that stuff, Right, because it's too. all about using this uh, hidden, supposedly hidden history and uh, legalese to uh, change your, your status under the law. You know, to say you're not, you're not responsible for personal income tax or to squat or obtain land or obtain money or, you know. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a marathon tonight for us. So we're just going to, and we did a fairly lengthy interview with Aaron. So we're going to kind of cut it short here, but, um, I want to thank everybody for listening because we did the show 
that uh, you guys probably heard before this, which was the romper room about the New Thought Movement. And then we talked to Dr. Future, which that was a little bit of a long time. And then hour and a half interview with Aaron. So, and here we are. So. Yeah, we're hungry. Yeah, we're hungry. So we're going to go eat some chicken wings. But uh, uh, just uh, want to remind everybody about Patreon. And I'm sure you'll hear it at the end of the show as well. But we do have a Patreon, Conspiranormal www.patreon.com slash conspiranormal go there a dollar gets you in um you get to hear all the the conspiranormal episodes that we have put up on patreon we may have some special things that are just like uh uh what do you think about doing like a sound collage or something for new thought or something like that yeah 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 so you might hear some special interesting different things that you might not hear on other podcasts so all right guys uh thank you so much uh next week i have it scheduled we should have randall carlson on and i'm really looking forward to this he just got back from with the grimerica guys in i guess they were in colorado Mm -hmm. so uh, we'll talk to him about his trip out there and uh, talk a little bit about some other uh, things that he's been studying and uh cosmic alchemy cosmic alchemy it's just a form of cosmic alchemy so always look forward to speaking to randall so all right guys uh we're gonna close out the show so join us next week and uh we'll see you later on conspiranormal that our fool's gone wild YouTube channel, Conspiranormal Podcast.